For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. After 82 verses, it's time for the Apostle Paul to reveal the cause of the lack of unity at the church in Philippi. It was in fact two women who were mad at each other. Their names mean success and lucky, but they were more of a liability to the church than a blessing. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message that reminds us of the importance of handling our disagreements with each other with forgiveness, mercy, and love. Now, Heavenly Father, as we wind down here in the book of Philippians, uh, we ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we might see the wonderful things that you have for us today. The word of God, that just God's breath from heaven, just to make us alive and to give us wisdom and understanding so that we could be blessed and be a blessing to others. In Christ's name, amen. I'm sure most of you have heard the little limerick. I've used it here before. It goes like this. To dwell above with those we love, oh, the love and glory. But to live below with those we know, now that's a whole nother story. (laughs) And the reason you laugh is because it is so very true. Now, there's a good reason Uh, really, uh, that we do enjoy this limerick because, you know, we look forward to heaven. The project that God's been working on of moral transformation will be completed. We will not have a sinful nature. We will have a body, and the Bible describes it like his glorious body. And so we look forward to that love and glory of uh, having uninterrupted, unbroken fellowship with God and one another. But in the meanwhile, here on earth, and that's the whole point here, is, is that it's a, sometimes challenging to get along with one another because we still have weaknesses and we're broken in some ways and we do have a sinful nature that survives conversion and gives us uh, some trouble from time to time. Now, that whole nother story of uh, the challenge of getting along with one another really has been the overarching theme of the book of Philippians, which has been a call uh, for unity and love because that's exactly what was lacking from that historic church. Uh, That church was a mess. They were being pulled apart by bickering people, people taking sides in the church. Uh, There was division, and there were, sadly, two women in the church who were leading the way. Now, that church started out pretty well. Paul the Apostle and his team uh, founded that church some 10 years earlier. It was, as we've mentioned, the very first Christian church in mainland Europe. And so it just had a lot going for it, and there were wonderful people. It started out small, like most church plants, right? But then it grew and grew, and more and more people came. And when you have more and more people, you have more and more... Uh, Now, I didn't say that. (laughs) But you guys apparently think with more people there are more problems, and so uh, I'll go with that. And so, yeah, that's what happened. And instead of loving one another, they let their differences divide them. Uh, Their irritations were no longer uh, able to be overlooked in love, and they were hardening their hearts and taking sides and squabbling and all of this. So the whole letter has been aimed at, come on, this is important. This is the gospel. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's work. So we have to lay aside our petty little irritations with one another and uh, actually do what the Lord has asked to love one another. So uh, Paul begins now to wind down the letter. He's about to sign off. And, um, but here's what he does. He's been at this unity and love and humility thing, considering others better and all of that. But like a good physician, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is going to take his finger and place it right on the problem, not the symptoms, 
but he's going to go to the cause so that they could give that some attention and some remedy and fix the problem and move forward so that they can stand firm in the Lord, and that's the whole point. Well, it took 82 verses, but now we've got to the problem, and he's going to out the cause of instability and disunity in the church, and it came down to two people. Let's read about it. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintiki to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow is just a title for my colleague, my partner, the pastor there. Yes, I ask you, pastor, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, normally, we handle about 10 dozen verses at a time, uh, but this is the first of three closing corrections that are, uh, that are coming so that he can uh, conclude the letter uh, with a call to stability. Do these things and your church will be restored to stability and there'll be love and it'll be a healthy church. This is the first of three. And so this one really is enough for us to really spend some time talking about because it's so uh, very important. So this will be our text for consideration now, he, he, here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you guys ever hope to be what God wants you to be, uh, you're going to have to learn how to get along with one another. And um, for the greater cause, for the Lord and his work, and it's something he's been saying all along. And, and so, really, we're just going to walk through this. It's pretty easy today. Um, the goal, first of all, we're going to see the goal is to stabilize the church and all Christian exhortation or instruction, anything a leader is trying to do is to strengthen the church. And that's what he's trying to do by going to this issue here and closing with it. And, and he begins by expressing love uh, for one another. And that's pretty smart uh, considering uh, the, what's coming, the correction. And then, so it's the goal and the plea, right? So he's going to say, ladies, I beg you, for the sake of the Lord, lay it down. And uh, so through the, the appeal to the ladies, we're going to meet the infamous duo. Uh, we're going to discuss what may or may not have been going on there. We're going to assess the damage. And then our takeaway is, why laying down our differences and covering them over with love, extending grace to one another and getting along is so very vital and important. And so that's the objective. So before we meet the ladies, uh, let's start out with the goal. And the goal, as I said, was to stand firm in the Lord. The word there really means to be firmly planted in your relationship with Jesus Christ, to be immovable, to be unshakable, um, firm and secure. It's the kind of house that Jesus talks about. Your life built on the foundation of the gospel and doing what Jesus commands is a house that can weather any storm in life. And he says, this is the kind of idea here that God, the Holy Spirit, writing through Paul wants for all his people. And, and the individuals who are listening and who are strong Christians, they come together to make a strong church because after all, the health of the church depends on the health of the individual Christian because the individual Christian is the church. So you get a bunch of healthy people together who are all walking steadfast in the Lord and you get them together, you have a dynamic, beautiful place filled with love and people are getting along, knit together by the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. But if you get a few 
people who are not doing Christian disciplines and not reading their Bible and kind of walking uh, in the sinful nature, then you can have a real mess. And so this is a real important subject. The admonition is born out of love, but you know what? It was Jesus who said a house divided against itself is a house with no future. Implosion is just moments away. There's no way. So if you have a, a marriage, a family, a company, a church, where there's a lot of this, a lot of this going on, that thing is a sinking ship. It's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, and so it's hard to hear. Here comes the admonition, right? So he's saying, hey, we want to stand firm in the Lord. And, and here comes some correction. And it's hard to hear correction. Um, and so he's going to put in as much love into one sentence as humanly possible. You can just feel the warmth oozing out there. He says, my brothers and sisters, that's a very warm word in the Greek. It includes the sisters. It's saying we have the same father. We have the same destiny. He saved us by his blood. We're together. We're, we're, we're family. We're the family of God. And then he says, whom I love, that word is beloved. You're my beloved he says, and I long for, I miss you like crazy. I cry when I think of you guys. And then he's saying, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Dear friends, see, he's not done yet. Now, that is such good wisdom because he's about to bring a correction that is going to be somewhat painful and embarrassing. So it's really good wisdom that when you have to bring a hard word to somebody, you affirm all the good things your love and, and all the things they're doing right. You know, there's a joke around uh, here about me because I take this to heart that before I have to bring a hard word to anybody, I just like to take three things. I, you know, it doesn't have to be three, but I think of it as three things that, that I like what they're doing. I want them to know they're appreciated. I see all of this, right? It's not just what I'm about to say, but, you know, they're on to me right here. So I'll, I'll, I'll say to somebody, I'll say, hey, hey, I've noticed you've been working really hard lately. And the person will go, one. <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll play along with it. And you know, I noticed that, uh, you know, uh, this and that and the other thing. And they'll say two, you know. And so, yeah, but you know what? It's true. And it's from the heart. Not out of a dumb book somewhere to uh, business, how to do your, grow your business. This is wisdom. You don't just nail people like that. You, you remind them of the truth. There's a lot of good things happening here. There is a problem. We do need to, to address it, but it doesn't mean we don't love each other, that we're not brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we're not going to heaven and all of that. So sometimes all they hear is the... And, and they get all blown out of the water. So Paul's not going to uh, fall for that. And by the way, he says, my joy and my crown, I left off the best part. He's, what, he, he's not just saying, I'm happy when I'm around you guys. He's saying, the crown is going to heaven. That's what that means, the reward of heaven and eternal life. And he says, when I get to heaven and standing there with you Philippians together in heaven, in our new bodies, praising the living Lord, who saved us, that's my reward. You are the reason I get out of bed in the morning. Of course it's Jesus. And the love that I have for God and his love for me is first and foremost. But the reason I'm here and, and what, what has my attention every day, there's nothing on this planet more important than you. Then he says, now ladies. Do you see the difference? Now if you're a reasonable person and, and all those things are true, then it's a little bit easier to say, you know, he's not just getting down on me about something or he thinks he's better than somebody else, but he actually loves me. And this is coming from a heart of love. And so that's really important to see. And so we've seen the goal stated and now the problem is addressed in verse uh, two here. Friends, he's saying, if we're going to stand firm in the Lord, we're going to have to deal with the cause of why we are not. So there's a disagreement in the fellowship that's destroying unity. And a couple folks need to settle uh, their differences. Because it's never just about two people. It's about those two people 
and their spouses and their children who used to play together and the friends of the spouses. So it's never just about two people. The whole church is involved, and there are hints of that all throughout the letter. And now it's time, in the end, the only way to deal with some problems, uh, really, uh, biblically speaking, is to name names, as, uh, as terrible as this must have been for these two uh, gals, uh, to force the two people to take responsibility. Now, before any of this ever happened, trust me on this one, there was a time and place for the veiled hints to be delivered to these gals. Uh, the, 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 that was consideration, not to embarrass them or call them out. You know, all of that has been done. Uh, the uh, prayerful, humble appeals, uh, the scriptures have been given. There's been gentle suggestions. Um, you know, the pastor's wives have taken them out separately to lunches. They've worked with them and it has gone unyielded. And sometimes when at first God whispers, then he whacks, all right? He <laughs> whispers before he whacks. And this is true. How do I know? Because that's how he does it with me. You know, he's like, hey, Ross, listen, maybe you shouldn't have said that. You know, maybe we, or, or maybe you should fix this, you know. Maybe you should make this right, you know. Things are going good, and I just feel like, yes, Lord, yes, you know. And then I put it off, put it off, put it off, and then I hear, hey, hey, you who, yeah, you. Remember what I said to you? I don't know, hey, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's me over here, you know. I, I get a little bit of that. If I am stupid enough to try to get around that, then it's the kaboom. You know, a kaboom will go off and he'll go, yoo-hoo, oh, recognize me? <laughs> yeah, it's the Lord and he's trying to get your attention. My advice to you is, is follow the whisper. <laughs> take, just follow the whisper and everything will be okay. Man, I see a lot of people who have had the kaboom. All right. All right, so just so you know, that's how it goes. Now, how would you like to have your life summed up in a sentence and then put in the eternal word of God like these two ladies? Wouldn't you rather get a sentence like Lydia? Here's Lydia, a woman, right? She heard the gospel by a riverside and the Bible says, and the Lord opened her heart to receive the message. And then she says, to Paul, the apostle, Paul, if you consider me a true believer, come to my house and let me host the church. Oh yeah, that's in the word of God, right? There are so many ladies like that. You have Elizabeth, John the Baptist, mom, and all these ladies who are shining, 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 and then you've got that, and not to mention just the ladies, right? You've got the, the names of Ananias and Sapphira. That's the one sentence they got, and that was it. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time, those two. You know, but it just, it's just sad, you know? So um, God's been patient, but now it's time for the sake of his people to say, you who, the work of God is more important than what's going on here. We get to skirt around an issue anymore is gonna make it uh, a problem. So the problem people are identified, Yodia and Sintike, two names that are often mispronounced, um, but they are uh, from the Greek that mean, uh, Yodia means success and Sintike means lucky. So we've got success and lucky. And how ironic, because they're not living up to their names, all right? So at the moment, Yodia is not bringing success. And at the moment, for now at least, the church was not lucky to have lucky uh, serving there. <laughs> now, who are they? Well, they're leaders, and this makes it very much more significant and worse is that they were leaders. They're not acting like it now, but check this out. These women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, that implies gifting, 
calling, Christian maturity, uh, Christian character, all of those things. It would be one thing if people are causing trouble in the church that, who are not leaders, who don't have maturity, and you just come to expect that of certain people. So that, that immature person who's always a problem at their secular job, in their family, f- troubles follow them because they're broken and immature. That's one thing. When they come in and cause, a tr- cause trouble, you can just say, well, you write that off, right? But when a leader... When a leader does something that's hurtful or sinful or morally compromised, that causes a lot of pain and trouble and hardship because there's credibility there. And now you're divided because why wouldn't you believe her story? Lucky story. Lucky worked with the Apostle Paul. She was a deaconess. Now, they were leaders. They were not pastors. The New Testament says clearly deacons, they can be deacons. Deacons is a title. Phoebe was a deaconess, right? And so they were helping with hospitality. They were helping with administration things. They were helping teach Bible studies to other women, mentoring women. They were very involved. They, hey, how involved are you in a church when you're working side by side with the Apostle Paul? You see, which makes it the more prominent you are in a church, the more gifted you are in a church. You must therefore exercise even a greater sense of discernment and hold yourself to a greater accountability because your actions will have very wide and broad repercussions. So you have to be uh, very, very careful. And so what happened here? Well, they had a falling out. Well, that's not the problem, people, because God knows how we are. He understands that we are but dust, right, put together. He's the one who made us. He knows what's in the heart. He said out of the heart comes all kinds of things, lying, sexual immorality, theft. Jesus knows us. Right? So the problem isn't that there's a lot of irritation or a lot of offense and a lot of this and a lot of that. It's how it was handled. We are going to have uh, offenses because there's a lot of people and we're broken and we're, we're not complete and we're growing and there's a lot of misunderstandings and all sorts of things that happen in a church. That's not the problem. The problem is is that they stopped being gracious. They stopped extending mercy. They stopped having a soft heart. They stopped reverencing Jesus and the work of God. And they hardened their heart. They started holding grudges. And that's what happened. Now, are you curious? I mean, so he says, the plea. Ladies, I beg you, please, call it quits for the Lord's sake. Can somebody please come alongside and help these two women? I love that as a pastor. Now, can somebody please tell these former leaders who should know better, show them the door. They are destroying the work of God in Philippi. We have warned them over and over again, goodbye. No, he doesn't do that. He says he uses a gentle word, the word help them to come alongside these women. Help these women in verse three. It's the parakaleo, the Holy Spirit's word there. It means to come alongside, to put your arm around somebody gently and caringly. And we love to say, okay, come on, let's get this together. You see, God is redemptive. He's the God of second chances, third chances, on forever chances. He always wants to connect and restore and save. He never wants to, to do this. This is not God. When someone's on the other end of this, it's because they put themselves there. God is one of these kinds of huggers, you know? And so now, are, are you curious as to what went down there? Do you wish you had the details here? Well, notice that we're spared the miserable details. We don't know what's going on. And I'll tell you there's a couple reasons why you don't know the whole story. One is, if the Holy Spirit leaves it open... It's a, it provides for us, the average Christian church, to use it as a template. Because whatever it is that you're dealing with in this whole wide, broad range of offenses and grudges and talking too much or spinning somebody against somebody else, it fits. 
You just take your situation and you can plug it in here and you can, if you want, <laughs> you can be one of the two ladies or two guys, right? Now, ladies, we're not picking on you. First of all, this is the Holy Spirit calling two ladies out. This isn't Pastor Ross. I have nothing to do with this, as I've often tried to tell you. I'm the weather guy, right? I, I don't make the weather. I don't make the storms. But I can tell you, rain's coming, right? So don't get mad at the weatherman because it's raining outside, right? I'm just doing my job. All right. Ladies, we're not picking on you. Listen, ladies, please, please listen to me. Every bad guy in the Bible is a guy. That's why I said every bad guy. <laughs> Men are notorious for ruining everything. <laughs> All right? So please, please don't just say, oh, we've got to pick up on the two girls. Listen, ladies. Samson, Samson the womanizer. Do you know how embarrassing that is for a guy? David, King David, the adulterer. Had to have his little fling up on the roof, right? Noah, he's a guy. What did he do? He's a good guy. He represents us guys. And what did he do? He drank too much one night and forgot to put on his pajamas and fell asleep, kind of passed out there for his sons to walk in and go, whoops, you know? How nice is that? See, God, God's not picking on the ladies. I could go on and on and on about the men that God calls out. Hymenaeus, Phygelus, Philetus, Demetrius, all of them. Demas, all these dudes are just basket cases. They cause a lot of damage. But that doesn't mean we're not talking about two ladies who have the, the penchant for talking and gossiping and recruiting supporters and dividing the church. And we got to talk about it. It's right here. You still love me? Say amen. Amen. I mostly heard men speaking there, but that's okay. <laughs> now, speaking of the differences, one guy said uh, he was. Uh, it, this is he's joking around in the sermon, and he's talking. Uh, his wife was saying picking on women and all of this, and so he says, uh, "Now, to be fair, men have their fair share of causing problems in the church." Uh, men tend to want to lead or take control in areas in the church that are not their responsibility, and this causes problems as they become bossy and intimidating. But the reason why these two people are not named John and Mike in the text is because hurt feelings seem to be involved, and everyone knows men don't have any of those. <laughs> That was funny. <laughs> he said, if they do happen to get the one or two feelings that they do have hurt, it's often easier for a man than a woman to shake off personal offenses among themselves and move forward than it is for our precious sisters in the Lord. You know what, ladies? We grew up getting hurt, getting a bat across the head, you know, falling off of our bike, coming in with missing digits, you know, and our dad just saying, shake it off, shake it off, man, shake it off. I don't know how you shake off some of that stuff, but that's all we ever heard. So we learned how to just like, oh, pain, shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Uh, uh, so shake it off, that's, uh, that's pretty easy. Okay, moving on. So uh, what are the endless possibilities? Uh, here, here they are. Uh, I asked some women, I said to some Christian women, off the top of your head, I'm writing this down, off the top of your head, what would, just typical offense for a woman, a Christian woman, uh, what would you hear that to say, to say, or for women in general? And this, this is not coming from me, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, here they are. <laughs> she didn't invite me to lunch. She used my hairbrush. That would never happen with me. I don't care. You can use my hairbrush. Okay. Thirdly, she and Mary went shopping without me. Del, if you and I want to go shopping and we leave out somebody, I don't, don't do that. It's bad. Sorry. 
See, okay, you didn't like that one, ladies. I'm sorry. Okay, moving on. Uh, I didn't like the way she looked at my boyfriend. Ooh. She didn't like my Instagram post. What? And so when, when, when I said something like that, it's like, well, everyone else did, except her. Okay, well, of course, they weren't doing things like that, but that's how it can be. Now, one person said, if you ask them what it was that almost took down a New Testament church, they may not be able to tell you because they forgot. After a while, there are so many layers that you just don't even remember what this was all about. And it goes on to say, you know, uh, the substance of what caused the problem is always minimal, but the damage is always maximized, you see. And so the three top causes of relational fallouts, just as I throw this in for free, number one, misunderstandings that didn't get cleared up. Number two, personal offenses that are real or imagined that didn't get properly handled. And lastly, number three, disagreements or conflicts that never got properly resolved. What does it matter? That's why we don't have the details. None of this matters because the 70 times seven commandment, forgiveness, even if, even if. 70 times seven. So what does it matter? Does it matter? And, and that's why we don't have the details. Whose fault was it? Does it matter? 70 times seven. Let's get, over, let's get this over with for the sake of the gospel and for the church. Was it trivial or, or important? I mean, was it the color of the drapes or was it the direction the church was going? Right? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. Who started it? Success or lucky? It doesn't matter. Who's being the biggest baby about it right now? Who's being the, the more stubborn? Does it matter? None of that matters. You want to know what does matter? The church of the living God is suffering because of them. That matters. Their spouses who used to be buddies, now they're, if they have any sense at all, they have sided with their own wife. Right? So, amen, husbands? Hello, husbands, help me up here. <laughs> they no longer are friends. They have friends. And in order to maintain their friendships, everybody's on this side and everybody's on this side. And then an unbeliever comes in and, and feels like the refrigeration is on, right? Because nobody's talking to her. And somebody says, who's that over there? Oh, never mind. You don't want to know, right? Oh, come on. That unbeliever leaves the church with yet another reason to go down a road that leads to eternal loss. And you weren't a help. You were a hindrance. Why? Oh, it better be a good reason. On top of all this, Proverbs chapter 6 says, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven he finds detestable. Hebrew poetry, that's a device to say, there are six things, but the seventh is the most important. And here's what number seven, under what God hates list. It says, a person who stirs up dissension or conflict in the faith community between brothers and sisters in the Lord. He says, I, the Lord, hate that. Now, here's my advice as a pastor to me and to all of us. Try not to do things that make God's hate list. It won't work out for you, all right? And because if you're doing something God hates and then you're just going on with your life like I'm just a regular Christian and blowing off a little steam or however it is you want to say, who else do you think I need to talk to? Who else can I talk to? Whatever, whatever. If you're doing something that is splitting somebody else's opinion about them because you brought your offense into their heart and you spun them the way they think about that person and now there's been a divide 
If you've done that, you've done something God hates. And who hasn't done that? I have done that. You've done that. That's something we all do. But it doesn't work for anybody's good to do things that God hates. And, and so, <laughs> what do we do? What, <laughs> what do we do? It's so hard not to do that. You get hurt. Somebody's right there. You're mad at that person. And so you want uh, to, to recruit a little support. You know? And so you tell them the, only your side of it. And that's the worst part of it. Is you only tell and you leave out all the, all the parts that they would raise an eyebrow about you. Right? And so you tell all the terrible part of the story to, to get their support. And there you have it, right there. And you've done the thing that God hates to have happen. How do you do? What do you do? Here, we've been in Proverbs every Wednesday. I invite you to come out because these are just, they're wonderful. Check these out. A person's wisdom yields patience. So you're patient with people. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. All right, so <laughs> to your glory to overlook an offense. How can I overlook something that's just, it's principle, man, it's principle. The Bible says it, if it's a personal offense, we're not talking about immorality or the truth of the gospel. We're talking about 99% of just doing life together. And, and somebody said something, did something, excluded you, were rude or, or whatever. Overlook it. It's the most ignored scripture in the entire Bible. Who wants to overlook something? You know, I have people all day long in marriage therapy, all day long, with the list. She did this. She won't do that. She did this. He does this. He did that. I've asked her a thousand times not to do this, that, and the other thing. Just stop writing every little thing down. Where I, where, you can't live that way. There's too many offenses, so you have to start overlooking it. Next one. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before the dispute breaks out. The next most ignored scripture in the Bible you feel it heating up, you know, okay, here we go. You know, I said, you know, I gave you directions. Why didn't you use them? And then somebody else says, no, you didn't. You, you left them on the kitchen counter. No, I did not. And now you start feeling it rise, and you're going to start saying, well, you always, and you never, and you feel it coming. The Bible says, could you please stop it? Drop it. Oh, is that so important that you're going to ruin the whole day over and injure one another's souls and put a strain on your marriage for what? Or about directions? It's principle. She's always doing that. Well, sir, listen. He says, the Bible says, is this the hill you want to die on? And if it's not, drop the matter. Everybody say with me, drop the matter. Drop That's what I'm talking about. Okay, well, next. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Stop bringing it up. Stop bringing it up. Stop bringing it up. Well, you remember this, and you bring it up and up and up, and what happens? You're going to divide, and God hates that. God hates it. Stop talking about it. What do I do with it? How about give it to Jesus? How about the foot of the cross? You keep bringing it up for and causing division. Whoever would foster love covers over. What does this is all? We're supposed to be covering over when somebody missteps or misspeaks, not just ripping it out and exposing. Now, serious things, yes, common sense need to be revealed. We're talking about the 95% of the stuff that you just cover over. It says cover over it, not always ripping the blanket off. Look at that. That's not very gracious, nor is it how you and I want to be treated, right? But the other people, oh, we need to expose that. Whatever. Moving on, one more. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own. So when you hear that success and lucky are having problems, right? 
It says, you are a fool to get involved. This doesn't involve you. Let success and lucky go to the past and work it out and deal with it, right? But if you want to just <laughs> see a German shepherd at Starbucks and you go up to it, you know, and it's just sitting there and it kind of looks not happy, and you grab it by the ear and say, come on, boy, twist the ear and pull. You know what's going to happen to you? Come on, tell me. You're going to get bit. Does it feel good to be missing two of your fingers? Right? Then don't get involved in other people's businesses. Right? Amen? So that's just three or four of, the, of some wise things that we can do uh, to stay out of this. So, okay, let's talk about how it ended. Well, we're going to find out how it ended. We don't know how it ended. I'm going to suggest some possible scenarios. The, the, the best case scenario. They're all sitting there. Epaphroditus is reading. It's church service gathered. And they're listening to the word of God. And they know that the Bible, the, the scripture, the letter is, is written about them. They know. He's hinting. He said, get together. There's not enough unity. I'm begging you guys. So everybody in the room knows. And then suddenly, bam. Lucky and success, please. I plead with you in God's name. They cry. They confess. One starts saying, it's all my fault. The other one says, no, it's all my fault. And they're fighting now because of whose fault it really is. <laughs> but that's a good fight to have, right? And isn't that always the case? It's just that when one person in the conflict says, you know what, forgive me, I'm broken. Uh, I had a terrible upbringing. I have a lot of pain. I'm insecure. I'm I'm, it's all my fault. You know what they say? Always the other person says, no, it isn't. No, 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 you did a good job there, it's me. It, it just disarms the other person to start eating a little dirt, it's okay. Well, both of them, I can just see them repenting, it'll never happen again, and I'm sorry, and, and, and let's pray together right now, and you know, oh, there was a prayer meeting, there was a potluck, the husbands hugged, the kids started playing in the corner together because everything is just, you know, everybody in the church could breathe easier, right? And the next Sunday, I'll tell you what, it was double church attendance. And when they sang, oh, that was a worship service. Why? Because two ladies said, we're done with this. We're open. We're wise. It says, he who is wise loves correction. He who is a fool hates correction, you see. And so I hope they were both wise. Now, the next best is that one of them, at least, owned it. And then we can work with one. And it brought some relief, and half of the family's feeling better and, and, and going to follow after them. And so you can do it with one. It would be better with two. But uh, that's the next idea. Worst case scenario is that both of them become outraged. How? dare you, first of all, Epaphroditus. Oh, you went and blabbed to the apostle Paul because how else did Paul know? Did you tell the whole story? I could see them getting mad at Epaphroditus because Epaphroditus is the courier who told the situation to Paul and so now they're ticked at him. Who gave you the right to mention our names to the Apostle Paul? And now they're even more furious with who? The Apostle Paul. How dare he? Is this Christian love? to humiliate us in front of our friends and family. That's a man of God, up and out with slandering tongues, right? That could have happened. We don't know, right? And all of their supporters following, one with this and one with that. And ladies and gentlemen, it has happened. It happens over and over and over again. You know, it may have been all over one dumb thing, but I'll tell you the truth. I was reading an article about how far we've come with medicine. Back in the day, you could die from a sliver, and people did. They died from a sliver. Why? Wasn't handled right, didn't get uh, tetanus. They didn't have tetanus shots. And they die of tetanus, usually. 
from a sliver, right? What was the sliver for these two ladies? It was a sliver. And I'll tell you what, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out about a lot of slivers that killed a lot of people and a lot of God's work. Just a little thing mishandled like that. We don't want to be a part of that. And, and, and so uh, my guess is, is, is that they both exploded in tears, I think because they were mature believers. I believe the best thing happened there and that the church went on to celebrate and to grow. Uh, you know why? Philippians chapter two, he brought out the big gun for these ladies. He knew it was going to be hard. So he brought out that that famous passage we taught on, Philippians chapter 2, where he plants the foot of the bloodied cross right in front of them and said, God loved you ladies in this church so much that he became one of us through a human womb. And then he laid down willingly on a piece of wood that he himself created and let men pluck out his beard and rip up his back and nail him. God to a piece of wood for you, lucky, for you, success, for me, Paul, for us, the church of God. And he bled out in agony, crying out, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer was, I have to forsake you so I won't forsake them. Lucky and success. And if you can leave a room after you're confronted with an agonizing savior, God himself stripped and humiliated so that you'll be covered and not shamed. If you can leave that room hard and still angry and upset, making excuses in your head, then may God have mercy on your soul because God has no other weapon than the cross. And then he says, if you want to be forgiven, then you will forgive from your heart, Jesus said. Unless you forgive, my heavenly father will not forgive you. Wow. Because he knows how we are. So he has to bring out the big gun. And so that's why I believe the two ladies just heard the cross, the God-man, the blood on the cross, it's like, really, ladies? They both felt that way, looked at each other and said, our differences are not bigger than God and his love and his purpose for our families and for our souls. And so I just believe they got together. I, I, I really do. And, and, and you know, he threw in, uh, your names are all in the book of life. The book of life is seen in Re all over, but Revelation chapter 20 has the books open at the end. And it says, whoever's name is in the book of life gets into heaven. If you're not in the book, you don't get into heaven. So he says, ladies, lucky, success, all of us, we're in the book. Because of his blood, our sweet lamb, Jesus, the sacrifice, we're in the book, man. We're going to live forever. We're not going to the bad place. We're going to, you know how Jesus describes us? Shining like the sun in our Father's kingdom. Shining like the sun. Matthew 25. Wow. And he's saying, lucky success. You're in the book. We're all in the book. Come on. And that just, you know, the cross, the book, the eternal life, the father, the good, good father. I believe that that melted their hearts because I believe they're reasonable women, right? Anybody who's reasonable can say, you know what? I'm over my head here. I'm laying, I'm, the smart thing here is to lay this puppy down, right? And so as he close out, my takeaway for all of us here, we don't have to be of the same mind and agree upon clothes or food or diet, music, sports, books, harmless forms of entertainment, or politics even, even though this year it's pretty easy. <laughs> it is. You just go into the booth and you write down, come Lord Jesus, come. 
<laughs> I mean, seriously. I'm just trying to think. You know, I've got two choices. A broken angle or a, uh, ankle or a dislo dislocated shoulder. Which do I want, you know? Which kind of injury do I want to sustain? I don't know. So I'm just going to vote for Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> sort of a dilemma. Okay, moving on. Uh, we <laughs> By the way, we are supposed to divide over doctrine. Paul says... Here's the gospel, here's the line in the sand, do not cross over, don't even have lunch. No, 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 no. That's, this is the gospel. We don't make peace at any cost. Jesus said, because of me, at your dinner table, there'll be two on one side, three on the other, because of me. And that's a healthy division. You have to have that kind of division. But here in these walls, we got the essentials it's the 98% of the comings and goings, misunderstandings and offenses that we're talking about. And moral things. We divide over immorality and what's sin and what's not sin. Yeah, those are important. But everything else is just the stuff of life where we can extend mercy, offer forgiveness, and uh, give the benefit of the doubt and drop matters and... Uh, look the other way, and smile, and be courteous. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just really down deep, Lord, you really spoke to me and all of us in so many ways that are so difficult for us. We have so far to go, Lord, but um, we know that these things are true, so help us. We're open to becoming more wise. Forgive us for things that we have done that you detest. And help us to have the wisdom to make things right and to avoid those kinds of behaviors in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.